Welcome to another I Read Comic Books podcast mini episode. I am your host or your co-host, as it were, for this episode, Paul Jaisley, joined by Renee Rodriguez. How are you doing, Renee? Oh, I'm just uh, fine and dandy hanging in there. How about yourself, Paul? You know, I really can't complain. It's been, a, you know, obviously an odd time around here. And um, for some reason lately, I've found myself thinking a lot about the Fortress of Solitude and what it must be like to spend time in there and been thinking about what it must be like to live in the Phantom Zone. So I mm. thought maybe since I know you are also a big Superman fan, it might be fun to talk about some of those aspects of Superman's character and stories that revolve around Krypton and the world of Superman before he arrives on planet Earth. Yeah, I am right there with you. I have actually never heard a more apt description <laughs> of how it feels to be at work than the Phantom Zone, especially <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I, one thing I want to uh, maybe uh, start the conversation with is when you think about Superman— one of the key aspects of the character is that he's supposed to be the last son of Krypton, the only Kryptonian left. And yet, over the past 80 years, there's been an awful lot of Kryptonians showing up and causing trouble. So I wonder if things like that, uh, going back to the well, to Krypton's past, uh, things like the Phantom Zone and uh, characters like General Zod or Supergirl even, do you think that those take away from Superman's uniqueness or do you think they add to the character? I, I think that they all add to the character, except maybe Beppo, the super monkey. <laughs> oh. uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I still love Beppo, the super monkey. Sure. But I mean, it's one of those things where if someone brings it up in the conversation where you're talking about Superman and they're like, yeah, what about that time that there was a super monkey? And you're like, <laughs> you know, I don't really have an answer for you other than it was a good time. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, it, it, for, yeah, that's not quite as strange as, you know, Comet the Super Horse, who eventually becomes a human who dates Supergirl. That's a little bit stranger. I can't quite wrap my head around that one. You know, I forgot all about <laughs> the Super Horse. Can't forget Comet. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, a lot of the times, you know, I still can't believe that people don't know who Crypto is right. from time to time. Yeah. Like, he had his own cartoon show, too. <laughs> Exactly. And that, that that theme was so catchy. I used to sing it all the time at my first job, and people were like, what are you singing? I was like, it's crypto. You know. The super dog. <laughs> um, but for, to get back to your question, for, for the most part, no, I don't think it takes anything away from Superman. I think it, it adds to I mean, sure, when you start adding people like Superwoman or like when, you know, there's uh, Power Girl from Earth 2 – you know, like it starts to be like, well, is he really the last son of Krypton? It's like, well, I mean, he kind of is. I think he still feels alone most of the time because half of those characters, they're there for a hot second. Then they're either off to another planet or they're off doing their own thing yeah. or circumstances yeah. arise that Superman is once again isolated. So for yeah. the most part, I don't think that it takes away. And then when you really get into the meat of their stories you know i think that it adds to it especially like uh like when crypto when superman gives crypto to to connor kent before uh infinite crisis <laughs> to sort of help him out with his identity after the whole brainwashed by lex luther thing <laughs> you know he that the kid hates that dog and then the, him and that dog bond and they take on uh you know superboy prime together yeah. And then later in uh, Sinestro Corps War, also sorry, spoilers, but <laughs> right, Sinestro right, Corps yeah. War, when Crypto 
you know, has his fight with with Superboy Prime, which sounds dumb, but it's amazingly awesome. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty great. Like you know, that it's moments like that that I absolutely love, where you get to see the Kryptonians together because it rarely happens, and there's this sense of a lost world or something that we can't fully understand or haven't fully experienced. Yeah. And I think that there, that uh, real lights, the intrigue that I had with the character in the first place. Yeah. That's a good way of phrasing it. You know, you were talking about how, despite all of these characters showing up, Superman does always feel alone. And I think, yeah, these characters are Kryptonian and they're part of his history, part of his family in a lot of, a lot of senses, but it's not like the Batman family where they're all together and working together. You know, there is a sort of disparate nature to it. Right. And, um, yeah. and Superman's real friends and real family are Amon Pa Kent. They're Jimmy Olsen, Lois Lane, you know, even Perry White to some degree, you know, there's the characters he met as a human are closer to him than say, you know, Kara Zor-El or certainly, you know, General Zod or his cousin Power Girl. So, yeah, but so part of that, I think, is the idea of those aspects of the character, like that history that he's lost, the idea of Krypton being a place he can never go back to. I think I always find that really interesting because it underscores the the part of Superman that I've always found interesting is that it's an immigrant story. I mean, don't forget, Superman's created by two uh, first-generation Jewish Americans. Um, it's essentially a science fiction story that's based on the experience of European immigrants coming to America in the 30s, right? Yeah. Their home, Europe, is being torn apart by war. They can never go back there. They have to Americanize their names. They have to take on American culture. So Superman is an immigrant story. It's a story of Moses. It's an immigrant story. But the idea that there's a world that he, a past he could have had, a life he could have had had Krypton not been destroyed, that gives the character a tragic undertone that I think a lot of people sort of don't realize or sometimes miss. Yeah, and there's there's several different iterations of Superman where uh, – I know we've mentioned the Fortress of Solitude and we'll probably get more into it later. But yeah. there's many different iterations like the Justice League cartoon, the Superman cartoon, you know, movies and even like one-off comics where um, Superman in the Fortress of Solitude has collected things from Krypton mm-hmm. or the, like the last remnants of it or even from other planets or species that no longer exist and he builds – a memoriam or a museum in the Fortress of Solitude to sort of remember it because he he has that same feeling that like yeah. this is the last of it. Mm-hmm. We are alike. If I don't preserve it, who will? You know, it's kinda of, it belongs in a museum. <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's right. I've always loved that. The um the sort of Silver Age stories you'd see where Superman has like a inter galactic zoo you know in the fortress of solitude i don't know how big the fortress of solitude really is but he would have this zoo of like species that were extinct or going extinct from across the galaxy it's i've always loved that idea yeah i've also always loved that you know different artists have different renditions of the fortress of solitude uh obviously the the crystal palace from the richard donner films (laughs) that has been widely adapted and you know why but it's the it's the one that i think people remember the most that one is absolutely my favorite (laughs) but at the same time like you know seeing the justice league version and the uh, uh the injustice version all the other different versions in the comics like i think the uh Oh, I can't remember the one. The one where Superman's dying. Grant Morrison. Oh, the All-Star Superman. Uh, yeah. 
All-Star Superman. Yeah. Wow. I'm out of it. <laughs> like, All-Star Superman, that Fortress of Solitude was way different. Yeah. And, you know, but, like, seeing the different iterations of it and seeing all the things that can happen, I think I read one comic where uh, he had technology similar to the Phantom Zone in it. Like, mm-hmm. it didn't create a prison, but it, he was able to create, you know, different dimensions yeah. inside so that or like different like little pocket places to be like oh here's this and here's that i'm keeping it somewhere else so that i am not taking up you know <laughs> all of the continent <laughs> with <laughs> yeah with the fortress that would explain you know how he's able to have so much stuff in his fortress of solitude and you know he's got to keep all those superman robots stationed somewhere that's also something i've always loved is that the the fortress of solitude being maintained and kept uh, kept up by a, an army of robotic supermen so <laughs> yeah I, it's, that's another one of those things where it's offhanded where you're like oh you're talking about the titans they're like oh what does wonder woman have us have a sidekick yeah wonder girl who's who's now different wonder girl because the original one got killed by a superman a rogue superman robot yeah. superman has robots yeah it's a yeah. whole thing yeah. <laughs> but i mean i love the superman robots and they i love that they change because yeah. like some of them are kind of like cyborg superman where they've got skin over it mm-hmm. and then other times they're just like you know, droids that have the House of L, you know, sim- sigil on them. Yeah, yeah. And, well, yeah. Uh, and it's funny too, because, you know, we're talking about all this stuff and a lot of it is based out of the Silver Age comics, which are very different than, you know, contemporary comics. And, you know, a lot of those stories always revolved around Lois Lane almost figuring out that Superman is Clark Kent, you know? So yeah. like the Superman robots sort of emerge from that where it's like, how can... Clark Kent and Superman being in the same place at the same time. It's like, well, he has a super lifelike robot that he can use as a decoy, <laughs> right? So so on one hand, there's sort of silly um, things that are narrative uh, conventions or ways around a story, but they become part of the mythology. And over the decades, I think they seem silly at first, but I, I wouldn't want them to disappear. Like it's, it's so charming a part of Superman's story, I think, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh. Absolutely. And like with any comics, you have, you know, writers that grew up with that stuff or people that or writers that, you know, find it later and use it in new ways to tell the story, like in Superman and the Elite or versus the Elite when he uh, pretends to snap and, you know, the entire city of Metropolis is protected by the Superman robots. Yeah. Like what a throwback yeah. or even the the death of Donna Troy being killed by a rogue Superman robot that <laughs> Lex Luthor caught. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, like the, yeah. it's crazy yeah exactly and it, i think again i think that stuff only adds to the character it gives you a lot more tools and toys to play with so um maybe very briefly we can kind of uh touch on the fortune of solitude a little bit more one of my favorite superman stories is the super key to fort superman which was a silver age story back from 1958 i think it's action comics 241 um, and that's the first introduction to the fortress of solitude as we know it today and that's where you have, you know, the giant key that sits out front. It's a key only that's so big, only Superman can lift it up to open the door to the Fortress of Solitude. And, yeah. you know, he has it, it. Does it's so different from what we think of the Fortress of Solitude now. But it, he has a bunch of like robot Superman in there. He has lifelike robot recreations of Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen and Batman for some reason. Like it's so bizarre, and yet it all makes sense because you think about it. If you're Superman, you don't have to sleep. You have incredible intellect. You have all this free time when you're not doing super heroic things. What are you going to do but, you know, collect stuff and hang out in your fortress of solitude? Like, why wouldn't he have all that stuff in there? Right. 
<laughs> I forgot about the I forgot about the giant key. It's like one of those things that like you know you you know it's in the back of your mind, but you forget about it. You watch ten seasons of Smallville where everybody's just waltzing into the damn fortress. <laughs> And you're like, this is. They need to beef up that security system. And you're like, oh right, there's supposed to be an enormous key, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and you you mentioned it briefly, but I've always loved the way that Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly portray the fortress in um, All Star Superman. It's very austere, sort of Spartan. You know, there's not a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there, but it's all very clean and sterile looking. And instead of the giant key, he has a key made out of like white dwarf star so it's like super dense and only he can pick it up you know it's yeah it's it's such a it's a great update and contemporary vision of a silver age concept which is something i'm always a sucker for when it comes to comics yeah i love the random ones where he's got a gym in there <laughs> right yeah and his it's materials made from i don't even remember i think it's made from like star like i think you said it was like a dwarf star thing but he's also got like elements from other galaxies so that it, you he could challenge himself to get stronger and i'm like all right so <laughs> superman can bench press but he never decided to maybe download you know the martial arts from krypton that Zod knows. <laughs> right yeah yeah he missed that stuff so well i mean yeah. That, that, yeah so maybe let's touch on that then so uh we talk about fortress of solitude but krypton is a whole thing where it's again a place that should be destroyed and no longer exists and yet people kryptonians keep showing up kryptonian objects keep showing up you know the, for me I think of that stuff always as a metaphor for nostalgia or for a way of saying you can never go home again. As much as Superman probably would love to reconnect and go back and save his home planet, he can't do that. And something like Kryptonite, I've always seen as a metaphor for that. It's like the reason Kryptonite hurts Superman is it reminds him of the world he can never go back to. And that's what causes him pain, right? Yeah, in a way, I guess. I guess I can see that. I was, it's, it's, it's just, he's so overcome with emotion That's right, yeah. that it physically hurts, which I mean, can happen. I'm just, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, yeah, I guess I can see that as, as a metaphor for the, yeah. the like, you can't go back home again. It's, it's the thing that you're from hurts you the most. Right. It's, you know, they, something yeah. It's almost like a part of you. You know, there's depictions of that. You know, there are Silver Age stories where he's able to sort of do a sort of uh, time travel thing where he goes back and he sees his parents, you know, uh, Jor-El and um, what's her name? Uh, Oh, goodness gracious. Um, That's going to bother me. Is that Lara? Yes. That sounds right. (laughs) Um, Yes. But so he can, can go back, reconnect with his parents, see them, you know, kind of revisit quote unquote home, but it's always a sort of empty experience, right? Cause he can never make it real. So, and I think another example that I've always loved is the, the man who would, for the man who has everything, the Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons story from the eighties where, you know, it's the <laughs> Batman, Robin and Wonder Woman go to the Fortress of Solitude for Superman's birthday and they find out he's being mind controlled basically by Mongol and he's in a deep trance and Superman is imagining what his life would have been if Krypton had not been destroyed. Right. So it's this dream that it's a, you know, it's a wish fulfillment dream. But the great thing about that story is that it's not happy. Like it's, it starts off great, but then as it goes on, you sort of realize that maybe that's not the best thing. Like it, it's not an idyllic sort of Krypton that you'd expect it to be. 
You know, it's a Krypton rife with political strife and infighting, and it 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 gives you a glimpse into maybe Krypton wasn't that sort of you know perfect place that he had in his memory, and that's you know another reason why he can't go back there because it's it won't never be as as great as he imagines it. You know, right? And they they did something very similar with the um, the new Krypton series when yeah. they actually did take. Candor out of the bottle and they built a planet on the other side of the sun you know <laughs> and before they did the war of the supermen which is a great series in its own with its own very interesting storyline but the you know they clark goes back to to new krypton and they're trying to rebuild and at the same time like even though these people have been living in this bottled city for so long somehow when they're put on a planet all those problems from the old from the old world yeah. kind of come back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially with with zod trying to you know come back and and see see him as a benevolent leader yeah. even though he's he's not technically in charge you know it's it's hard to not see him in that light um both as a kryptonian both as a as a reader yeah yeah you know? Yeah, I mean, I spoke of kryp- kryptonite, but the bottle city of Kandor is explicitly a metaphor for the inability to return home. It's a that the reminder of the world that is gone forever, right? Physically, since yeah. you know. Yeah. You know. So yeah, so I guess maybe for listeners who aren't as big Superman fans as we are, the bottle city of Kandor um, is actually in a real city from Krypton. So Kandor was a city on Krypton. It's actually the city that uh, Supergirl is from. And before Krypton was destroyed, uh, Brainiac stole the actual entire city, miniaturized it, and put it into a bottle. And ended up in Superman's hands. And it's obviously changed over the years from different takes and retcons of it. But the traditional idea is that Superman has this city filled with Kryptonians in the Fortress of Solitude. And one day he'll find a way to safely uh, bring them back to a normal size, to sort of re-enlarge the city. So it is that sort of physical reminder that he has in his you know bachelor pad that... Hey, you know, that, that's the world I can never go back to. Those are my my people, right? My my planet uh, kin there in the in that bottle. So it's a very obvious metaphor for that that very uh, painful part of Superman's story. Yeah, I always wondered, like, what does the city of Kandor see as its skyline? Like, does it see the <laughs> Fortress of Solitude as a skyline? Yeah, I wonder if the, maybe the bottle is. It, well, it's always shown as being, um, you know. Um, translucent but it could be sort of one-sided like maybe on the inside it's you know looks like a sky blue i don't know yeah like maybe it just sort of has like that like it's got its own uh, i guess oxygen is what they breathe or i don't remember what it is sure. sure but like it's got its own atmosphere in there but because of the light rays hitting it at, or through the fortress because i'm sure there's lights on all the time yeah. yeah you know maybe it just appears to be sky blue all the time i don't know if i can't remember if it's night in Candor ever yeah well i mean um, yeah and then so Candor becomes, you know, a, a, almost a character in it, on it, of itself. Like it always shows back up, you know, even after they re-enlarged it, as you said, in the uh, you know, new Krypton series, eventually the battle city comes back. It gets retconned back into existence, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they blow up the they blow up the planet, but there's still people that survive. They go back in the bottle and then all <laughs> that was retconned anyway. Yeah. And the bottle's back. And, and uh, yeah. Wasn't wasn't Kandor the capital city too? I believe it was. Yep, yep. Okay. Because Superman's from was it Argo City, and then I think he's from Argo. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is not the largest city, though. No, no. 
Because the largest city has the dumbest name, but I also love it on mm-hmm. a very real way. It's like Kryptonopolis. Yep, yep, of course. That's yeah. just, I mean, <laughs> it writes itself, exactly. honestly. What else would you call it? Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so very briefly, actually, um, there was a recent uh, two-issue story in the Batman Superman title. Um, I think it's issue seven and eight by Josh Williamson and Nick Darrington, where... Uh, General Zod steals the or gets his hands on the Bottle City and then goes to one of the Lazarus pits and uses that to re bring the city back, to bring the Kryptonians back. So you have Ra's al Ghul and Superman and Batman trying to stop General Zod from using Lazarus pit on the Kryptonian world. I'm like, yeah, this could have been written in 1967. Like this is a Silver Age story as it gets, but it came yeah. out, you know, earlier this year and I thought it was a fantastic version of that type of story that worked really well honestly i was really surprised to see uh both smallville and also even more recently supergirl the tv show have mixy pitalik in that sure yeah like because that's that's again it's a silver age type thing where you're like it's this guy from the fifth dimension who can only get sent back if you trick him into saying his name backwards yeah and his name is outrageous in the first place <laughs> right but it's like you know it's it's really cool to see newer writers you know taking these things that we that we love or yeah. you know making stories in that same vein because you're right saying that you know general zod is going to bring candor back by dumping it in a last i'm like how does that work <laughs> right. in the first place yeah how is it going to get in the bottle? Is the bottle just open on the top? <laughs> right. He dumps it out, you know, just shake, shakes <laughs> it over. Yeah. I remember someone asked me, like, in middle school, they were like, well, can't he just dump them out of the, the bottle and then they'll grow? It was like, it's not like, I don't think that's how the science behind it works. No. Yes, it's all fake science, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure they've stated that is not how it works. It's not that easy. Right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then of course you run into the problem of the you know all of these uh, Kandorians would be superpowered. The Yellow Sun would give them all Superman's powers. And of course, that's the sort of the the key plot point of the new Krypton story. So and the War of the Supermen. Yeah, so. yeah, and uh, I mean I I know that they I can't remember what kind of system they had, but it was like split up into like three different systems, right? Like it was the Politicians, scientists, and yeah, yeah. military. Yeah, you have basically three guilds, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's interesting too. Like that stories that explore the sort of social, social political aspects of Krypton have always been kind of strange to me because that stuff it's interesting, but again, it feels so divorced from the Superman that we really know. It's like that's an interesting background, I guess. But I'd rather hear a story about how the loss of Krypton affects the character as opposed to here's all the stuff that, you know, is long gone and doesn't really matter anymore. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's actually what ended up uh, hurting the new Krypton series, even Mm -hmm. though it lasted for a whole year. Like I think around, it would be like in the third volume, which I can't even remember how many issues that would be to create that. But it was around like about halfway through the story, you just kind of got really tired of all the political stuff, yeah. even though the story was really interesting. And they had like, you know, an assassination attempt and they mm-hmm. had, you know, Superman being a cop and, you know, not deciding to be a scientist or, or a politician yeah. uh, like the other members of his family because his father was a scientist. His uncle was a politician. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but he was like, you know what, I'm going to serve under General Zod, and and you know, you had all these interesting things going on, but the whole political, social political issues were at the heart of the story, made it kind of uninteresting, and then all of a sudden you jump straight into we're going to get rid of all of that. We're now fighting Earth. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember liking the setup of that story, but yeah, like you said, the sort of it peters out toward the end there. Um, and part of it is too, I've never really found General Zod all that interesting of a character. I mean, on the surface, it's a cool idea, and again, it feels like something that back in the fifties, someone's like, "We need to have a Kryptonian villain. How is their Kryptonian still alive? Oh, there's the Phantom Zone, which is this prison where they kept all the the criminals on Krypton. Let's have them come back. Like it just feels like such an obvious sort of." Uh, story contrivance so i've always had a problem with general zod because i think that's all he is like i I don't know there's much that character other than just oh he doesn't like superman but he's just as strong as superman you know end of story yeah yeah i do like and a couple stories and i i think this is where i i was going back to saying that where um general zod is as strong as Superman, but he always kind of like overpowers him in a way at some point. And I remember that there was one story that I read when I was like in middle school or something like that, where he, you, I can't, I can never remember the name of it. And I've tried Googling it a hundred times, but it's <laughs> the uh, actual fighting style that the Kryptonian soldiers use. Sure. Yeah. And Zod uses it on Superman. He's like, dude, you don't even know this. This is, this is stuff we teach infants and i was like yeah it's like superman really should like you know watch jackie chan movie or something (laughs) right yeah i mean he he boxed against muhammad ali but i mean that's as far as it got he figured i could just punch anything and that's all he needed right yeah yeah and uh you know it is kind of the same thing like you have a hundred stories of where you know superman goes against zod and it's always the same thing and and it's like oh no zod's turned over a new leaf only for him to not turn over a new leaf and to still be like, I'm all about ruling. (laughs) And, um, it's, it's always the same thing, even though if the plot is a little bit different and I think that can get a little tiresome. Yeah. And, but at the same time, when it comes down to it, every time there's a Zod Superman fight, I'm still like, well, I at least want to see the fight. (laughs) And I don't know what that says about me. Yeah. Or, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah. like it's it's like the you know it's like watching the fifth Rocky movie. You're like, <laughs> you I'm, know, I'm less interested than I was with the first one, but I'm still gonna see the fight at the end. Yeah, it's like well, I'm, I want a training montage and I want to see you know Rocky punch somebody. So that's kind of enough to make me sit through the rest of it. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although Rocky six was great and Creed was great. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. We can talk about how <laughs> Creed is what an all-time classic in its own right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a different <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, I uh, yeah again, I think General Zod is an interesting problem because I think conceptually it makes sense, but it's always kind of fallen flat for me. Um, I do love the idea of the Phantom Zone, though. I think that is a brilliant concept where. You basically have a parallel pocket universe that you just dump all your real bad criminals in. Like, and of course, that's a recipe for disaster because they're going to find a way out, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, so let's go a bit further back then, I guess. And there's always been hints at not just Krypton's social organization, um, but also a, a religion. You know, like there's always references to Krypton being a sort of 
having religion based around a sun god, Rao, and every once in a while you have Superman exclaim instead of, oh my god, they'll say, oh, by Rao. And it's like, I like the mystery of that. I don't want to know more about it. I just like that it's kind of there to kind of reference every once in a while. See, I am the opposite. Oh. I want to know so much more about that. <laughs> okay. Like the thing was, and it all started with, and this is so, going to sound stupid, but it, was, it started with like season nine of Smallville, okay. where the Kandorians come out of the bottled city and they're looking for this thing called the Book of Rao. And hmm. in it, they they use it to reverse the yellow sun into a red sun. Okay. Um, oh. And some for some reason in the story it makes the Kandorians who have been affected by blue kryptonite have powers under a red sun. Okay. Okay. It's, it's a huge stretch. We just kind of went with it. We just accepted it. There was like a, a jump to the future and a jump back to the past. And it was pretty interesting. Um, but like in it, like they were taught, like, so the whole season they're looking for the book of Rao and, they never really explain who Rao is other than that it's the sun god and it's named after the the red dwarf that was by the planet and whatnot. And I'm like, I want to know so much more about, I was like, is Rao the only god in the pantheon? Like oh. also like the the phantom zone, I was like, is obviously like a, a parallel to uh, purgatory, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But I was like... Is there is did Jorel create the Phantom Zone? At, you know, after listening to Kryptonian mythology, and he either got the idea from Purgatory, or is it like similar to their version of a Kryptonian Hell? Because there's also so many different renditions of what the Phantom Zone is like. You know, some people say it's you know it's just a you know there's nothing in there. There's kind yeah. of in this empty void, or it's a vast desert, or it's a you know a, a, you know it's, it's like a tundra in there there's all these different types of things that are like oh it's just horrible there's just all these monsters and creatures in there everyone's trying to kill each other you know type thing and i was like you know what what more is there for kryptonian mythology also did rao have brothers and sisters did he no. have what is it like the greek is it like greek or roman mythology mm-hmm. or is it something you know very different kind of like um like shintoism mythology story is absolutely fascinating um you know korean mythology is all over the place and you know or is it closer to something that we have you know here in the west or is it you know like like what's it modeled after i have so many questions (laughs) and i would love for that i probably not i wouldn't read a book about it probably but i would definitely read a ton of comic books about it there's got to be some stuff that explains that i'm sure if you dug into some like late silver age stuff they'd touch on that you know and it's just it is interesting because i think krypton is always kind of presented as this sort of a, a scientific utopia where it's like oh they've solved all of their problems except you know the center of the planet, which is, you know, iffy, right? And it's going to explode at any moment. But they kind of solved all of society's problems with science. The idea that they still have um, a, a mythology or a religion that they reference, is that is kind of an interesting idea. It's like, even though they are so scientifically advanced, there are still remnants of that sort of traditional religion, maybe, in their society. Yeah, and there's there's the uh, stories of, of uh, Flamebird and Nightwing, which yes, are... Yes, yes. Originally from Krypton, I can't remember if they're a folktale or if they are part of their mythology. Mm-hmm. I know that that um, Clark tells Dick Grayson that Flamebird and Nightwing were heroes on Krypton, and that you know everybody in Kandor heard about Nightwing as a hero, and that's why he chose that name. Yeah, 
I love that idea. I think it's one of my favorite little like minutia details about DC mythology or history. It's like, I love that idea that Dick Grayson was so enamored with that story that he named himself after that character. Right. It's, it's yeah. so perfect. Yeah. It's brilliant. And, uh, I, I think that the, I was like, there's so many like little things like that. And I think if they ever decide to let Supergirl be past a teenager, like obviously like when she's 30 or something, or, yeah. or if, you know, based on which timeline we're following, if, you know, they age very slowly, if she's like, you know, in her 120s, she's still <laughs> going by Supergirl, or is she going to choose, you know, another name like, um, I don't know, like a goddess after from Kryptonian mythology or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, I think that stuff as strange as it is. And, and if you're not a deep Superman fan, I'm sure this conversation sounds very strange, but we're, I tr- trust me, it's all there, you know, it's, and I, again, I think that it is stuff that is additive for the most part, because there are only so many different versions of Superman punches a bad guy really hard and end of story, right? You have to flesh him out. And I think using that ancient Kryptonian, Kryptonian past to explore what Superman became when he become, came to Earth, that's really interesting to me. You know? Yeah, and I think some of my favorite Superman stories, I, I, I always have this, this toss-up because some of my favorite stories are like when he's just randomly helping out you know, people really in real simple problems or something like, like when uh, he did the walk across the United States and J. Michael Straczynski's run. Um, I, that whole story arc is, I absolutely loved to death, but at the same time, I love when he, you know, randomly goes out somewhere in the universe and is like on a planet or he like, you know, when he was on war world with <laughs> Mongol the first time, you know, what a storyline or if he goes to the 31st century sees something crazy out in space and you know he he takes something back it's almost like like an episode of doctor who or something sure yeah you know i think that's that's i have a toss-up between like having like those stories are my favorite or you know the ones where he just helps someone that's having a little bit of trouble today and it's not always like i want to see a smack fest from superman well yeah you know and i think the character always seems one note for a lot of people that maybe haven't read or watched a lot of Superman stories. You know, it's, he does seem maybe on the surface to be so simple, but I think hopefully we've shown that there's a lot more depth to the character and both of those stories work. I mean, to put it bluntly, get yourself a Superman that can do both, you know, like yeah. can, be, can, can be rescuing a kitten out of a tree for a little girl and then also be fighting dark side, you know, tooth and nail. Like, he can do both, and I think that's the strength of the character. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes you do have to read, you know, I mean, sometimes you come across something like Crypto the Super Dog, you know, chasing, you know, a, a cat from Apocalypse or, you know, Beppo the Space Monkey, you know, hanging out with a Green Lantern, which, again, those stories are fun in their own right, and I would never say that, like, we're better off without Beppo. I just, my only problem is that sometimes it's hard to explain. But... You know, there's, there's, like you said, there's two sides of, of, there's more than two sides to a character. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think like, that's one of the reasons why I love Superman is that he does get, there's so much there than what we see on the surface, but what on the surface is what we remember the most. Yeah. And yeah. So I think obviously over 80 years, the characters accumulated a lot of, you know, relatives and a lot of pets, you know, the, 
let's not forget Streaky the Super Cat as well. You know, <laughs> can't leave them out of the conversation. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and again, I think the the dichotomy between him being the son of Krypton, but yet becoming Superman on Earth by emulating, uh, you know, the goodness of humanity. Like he models himself after his his father, you know, Pa Kent, and he embodies the morals that we cherish as humans. At the same time, that whole Kryptonian past, I think, only gives the character more depth and, of course, gives you more tools, like I said, to play with when it comes to storytelling. So I don't want that stuff to go away. I want to keep coming back. Hey, if someone out there is probably going to have a great take on Beppo the Super Monkey, and it's really going to blow your mind one of these days, right? Honestly, I wouldn't be disappointed. <laughs> like, again, I loved Crypto fighting Superboy Prime. So, I mean, <laughs> if Beppo comes out and becomes the new, the, becomes the Beta Ray Bill of DC, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't hate that. You know? No. no that's, that's all good stuff. All good stuff. So, yeah, um, I think we mentioned a few stories to check out uh, for people that are interested. I definitely think that All Star Superman, not only do you get uh, Grant Morrison and Frank Whiteley giving uh, a different take on the Fortress of Solitude, you also get a story about Kryptonian astronauts, right? That end up on Earth. That whole story is great. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's really good stuff. And then, like I mentioned, if you find a collection of Silver Age Superman stories, you're going to get a lot of that stuff. Like, the um, Super Key to Fort Superman, which I absolutely love. Um, one of my favorite stories. You'll probably get some uh, stories about Superman visiting Krypton via questionable superhero comic book science, right? right. Um, there, like the aforementioned Superman Annual Number 11, which features the story um, for the man who has everything. There's also, that story is also adapted into a really good episode of Justice League Unlimited. So if you haven't seen that show or seen that episode in a while, that is a really great adaptation of that story. So, yeah, um, I think there's also stuff from Superman Birthright, too, that sure. has oh, a lot of right. good stuff for that. Yeah. And I would also say uh, Jim Michael Straczynski's Batman Earth or sorry, not Batman, Superman Earth One. Wow, that slipped out bad. Sure. But uh, it's because it's there's, there's Batman there's Year Batman, One, yeah. Batman Year 100. But I mean Superman Earth One, which is sort of like in a, a modern day retelling of Superman, although it's like 10 years old now. But <laughs> it does a lot of new stuff with the Fortress and with uh, Kryptonian background. Uh, so it's also super cool to look at. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I would suggest that series as well. Good. Yeah, that's all good stuff. And uh, if you, the listener, have any suggestions of good Superman stories, or if there's anything we got factually wrong, we're not perfect, please let us know. You know where to find us. So, um, Renee, I don't know if I have any much more to say. It was really fun talking about Superman with you. So, Yeah, I mean, I always enjoy it. <laughs> we should do this again, Paul. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Believe me, there's a lot more we didn't touch on. We didn't even touch on Vanthlo Island. That's a whole oh, other man. discussion. We'll That's save a that whole <laughs> other thing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, listeners, do your research on Vantho Island, and uh, maybe someday we'll come back to uh, try to unpack all of that stuff so oh that's a big old suitcase <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah maybe best to leave that closed for the time being so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so with that said i'm gonna uh i'm gonna jump out of here and go read some comics renee it's nice talking to you thanks for joining me to talk about superman yep always a pleasure paul and thank you guys for listening 